everyone, welcome back for a weekend wisdom episode of the Remote Real Estate Investor. My name is Emil Shore and my co-hosts today are Tom Schneider and Michael Albaum. And today's topic we're going to be getting into is setting the right expectations for owning remote real estate. So we've talked about expectations and cash flow specifically for the financials and cash flow side, but now we want to talk about a little bit more about the ownership side of things and things you should expect as an owner, especially in the beginning. All right, let's get into this one. All right, guys. So this is something we were just chatting about before we hit record. And I think it it hits a nerve with all of us. And it's something you will particularly see with people who I think are new, a, new to real estate investing and B, just haven't had the right exposure to the education or the expectations that can come with rental properties. That was great alliteration, Emil. Expectations and education. Love it. Thank you. I try. I try. I hope it's, <laughs> it's stickier with alliteration, you know? So this is stuff we hear about through our community channels. Maybe somebody just purchased a property if they or they've owned it for a couple months and an issue comes up and it's often met with expectations of, oh, I, you know, I didn't expect it to be this much or I didn't expect it to happen to me or I didn't know that this was an issue that even could arise. Yeah, exactly. You know, we were talking about before we hit record here, Emil, you brought up such a good point. It's like, yeah, but it's a house. Like if you've ever lived in a house or lived anywhere, there have been issues if you live there long enough, issues with the water heater, issues with the pain, issues with the mechanicals of the property. So just because you're now an owner as opposed to a renter or a tenant or even an owner in your own primary, these things happen. They're mechanical systems. Just like you take your car to the maintenance shop to get fixed and worked on, same thing happens with any piece of rental. That's how the world works. Right. Especially when you've only been renting and you know you, you call up the management company or the owner and they come and fix things. You don't see the bills. So you're not really exposed to the cost for these things. You just, you know, you just call it in when something breaks. So that could be one thing. I think it's especially hard when you just buy a property and something happens, right? It's your first property and something breaks and you get hit with a $500 bill or a $1,000 bill and you're like, oh man, there goes my cash flow for the first couple months. And maybe you you kind of just like think, well, is this going to happen forever? Do I have really bad luck? Did I buy a lemon? Whatever it is. But I think the message we want to tell people is that's common. It's, this, is, this is part of owning real estate. There's going to be expenses. We call it a lumpy business. You'll have times where nothing happens and then other times where it seems like everything is happening all at once. The and sky it can, is falling. It can be painful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, has that been your experience as well, guys? Yeah. And I'd say, you know, a term that I've used a couple of times is, is peanut butter spread, like the risk. And to uh, unpack that peanut butter spread, the risk is like over enough volume and over enough period of time and volume of units, things tend to average out, but it's not unreasonable. It can seem extremely frustrating where, you know, you buy properties and, and maybe pretty early on, like some things come up over time, that peanut butter spread analogy is the, the lumpiness evens out over time. So, um, you know, we had this conversation of this idea for weekend wisdom came up and just looking at like YouTube, uh, looking at like comments on forums and all kinds of stuff and people get frustrated, but an important like kind of perspective to have in mind is things come up as an investor, but over time things tend to even out with myself, you know, have 
you know, roughly like, you know, a dozen properties or so. And it's like, some of them have never had anything happen, has just performed like a champ. Knock on wood, dude. And then some of them, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll have a run where a year where it's like, oh man, there's a leak in the bathtub or something that didn't get seen. And then, you know, the subflooring and real estate is a not a get rich quick game. Like it is a very much a long-term wealth building game. So to kind of lose it, you know, with one kind of thing coming up early on in your career, it can make you want to like point fingers or, you know, oh, I, you know, I got tricked, blah, blah, blah. But it's a little bit of, you know, the dices are is stacked in the investor's favor just because there's so many wealth building levers in it. But, you know, with any type of investment, there's a little bit of risk that comes into it. But going back to my original point is that peanut butter spread year over year and getting, um, you know, enough units that you, you know, you do the process right in evaluating it, that risk is going to be peanut butter spread across over time. Long rant, long. <laughs> no, that's so good. And just to kind of piggyback of that, Tom, one is not a sample size, Yeah. right? Nobody goes and buys one stock and says, oh, it, you know, the, it lost value, right? It went to zero. It's the stock market sucks. I shouldn't invest. Like one, it's just not a reasonable sample size. So to your point exactly, given a long enough or big enough volume and a long enough time horizon, that's when you can start to really build out a reasonable sample size and come to a determination. And like my first property was about as turnkey as you could get. It was in a five-star, what would be a five-star neighborhood. And the first month I got hit with a $1,500 tree cutting bill because there was a big storm and we had to cut these palm trees down. That was not in my pro forma. Now I know if I'm buying houses that have palm trees, account for cutting down trees or trimming the trees every couple of years. That's an expense that I'll incur. I couldn't put my finger at anybody other than myself and go, oh, well, I should have asked that question, but I didn't know enough to ask that question. So I think, again, education is so key in talking to other people about, okay, what do I really need to be aware of? What do I need to look out for is so hypercritical because if you've never ran before, you're probably going to trip. And so I think it's really, really important to have those open and honest conversations with other fellow investors and learn about what truly goes into owning and operating rental real estate, especially at remotely, because that adds a whole nother layer of complications. That's right. Yep. Great points. You guys already touched on it a bunch. And it's easy for us to say this after years of investing, right? Like, oh, don't worry about the expenses that come up on your like first property, second property. Take it from us. We had the headaches too. When these things happen, we got really frustrated. It's impossible to just not get frustrated when these things come up, especially when you have one property, right? But as things grow, as your portfolio grows, it won't feel as bad because you have you have multiple properties. So one bad thing happens to one, you know, the other three or four or however many you have, they're doing okay that month. So it doesn't feel like as big of a hit. Whereas when you just have this one thing you're focused on, it just feels much bigger than it is. The other thing, one quick mindset shift that I've tried to have is in the beginning, I'd look at any repairs and be like, you know, damn it, cost, this sucks. There's one silver lining I like to look at now. Let's say you have a furnace that just breaks. I'm a using this as an example from myself. We had a furnace that just went out in the middle of a storm. And you know, that's a $2,000, bill. And obviously that sucks. But one way I try to think about it is, okay, cool. Now I don't have to worry about a furnace for another 10 to 15 years, right? So it's like the silver lining is now you don't have to potentially replace that thing for a while. So that's another way to look at it. I would just say kind of a counterpoint to that, Emil, to your prior point about getting frustrated and it's impossible not to get frustrated. I think that if you truly go into this eyes wide open and, and have realistic expectations for the performance of that property and a reasonable reserve, I think that you could not be frustrated by some of those ex nuisance expenses that pop up. I think not setting the expectation on the front end 
or not having folks set the expectation for themselves on the front end sets them up for failure in that they do get frustrated with those expenses that they pop up. So again, I think they should be going into this eyes wide open, knowing kind of what the worst case scenario could look like and be prepared for that. Because if you can't stomach the worst case scenario, you might not have any business as an investor, right? And as as tough as that is to say, we don't want people going in feeling frustrated or tricked or deceived or anything like that. They need to understand this is a business and it needs to be treated and run as such. And in biz, sometimes businesses fail. Yeah, yeah. and the, the last point that I'll, I'll make on this topic is we're not saying, you know, throw a dart randomly at an investment property, go buy it and don't be mad when something goes wrong. It's, you know, have a process, have a process for your acquisition in understanding the property condition, kind of the occupancy situation, all of those details come in. And just like Michael said, be eyes wide open. And when something happens that maybe like wasn't to plan, that stuff happens sometimes as as a real estate investor you know, still have a solid acquisition process, but have the foresight, the long view kind of in, in, in knowing that this kind of stuff comes up and it's part of being an, a real estate investor in general is managing these kind of costs that come up. And yeah, I think I got it in there. I think I got it in my point I was trying to say. It's totally in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Good points, guys. Okay. Any final thoughts here? Like I say, the last thing is like, don't put in money that you like absolutely can't afford to lose. So like if they're like whatever worst case scenario, you know, don't have next month's whatever food feed your family, you know, yeah. putting into buying a rental house. So that'll be my last last point. Yes. Done. And that's a good point for just reserves, right? Like don't sink everything you have in this. Like you got to maintain reserves for this exact moment, right? Things go bad. That's why we say maintain reserves. So if you have reserves, you're expecting these things to happen. So yeah. Michael, anything else? No, I would just say to echo Tom's point, if you're going to go put $1,000 in the stock market, that should not be $1,000 you need to grow for next month's something, your rent, like you mentioned, Tom, or food budget, whatever. Same thing with real estate. Don't make this investment with it teetering on the fact that it has to work out exactly as you planned in the immediate short-term future. Long-term, absolutely, we can count on that. But again, short-term, no, that's not how, it's not how real estate works. So maybe another thing to keep in mind before we let folks go is with regard to inspections. And I think that there's this really big misconception out there around inspections and that if I go get an inspection report done, the inspector is going to highlight and find everything that's wrong with the house and I can go get a budget and bid to repair those things and there's not going to be a penny more over that. Well, that's not always the case. There's there's a couple things to keep in mind. One is inspectors are human and humans make mistakes. So while they are professionally trained and licensed to be inspectors, sometimes things get missed. They shouldn't be missing the big things but sometimes things get missed. The second thing to keep in mind is that these inspectors are looking at safety issues. And so the best example I can think of is I've heard um, people complain is, oh, I got my inspection back. There was $2,000 worth of needed repairs. And then the property manager came in and said, oh, there's additional $3,000 for paint because we got to repaint this whole house because the rooms are green, pink, and yellow. Well, an inspector is not looking at the paint color of that property because that's not a safety issue. That's a property management type issue that regards to habitability. So a tip that I always like to give folks that I speak with is, hey, have your property manager go walk with the inspector on the day the inspector is doing their inspection, if that's an option. If it's not, send the property inspection report to your property manager and get their two cents on it. They're going to be catching those things like those off-colored walls or things that need to be repaired 
before you can get a tenant in place. And now you have a collective picture of, okay, here's the safety issues, here's the habitability issues, let's marry the two and go get a bid to have that work done. That's gonna be likely my make rent ready cost. Soapbox, dismount. Great one, because that is one that comes up so often is, well, this wasn't in the inspection report, why is it coming up? So I think you nailed it. Those are fantastic tips. Cool. All right, guys, let's end it here. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We will catch you all on the next episode. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing.